that people would come to you and they would say, okay, help me find my purpose. What two tests do I have to take? Or, you know, what are my strengths? Oh, become inquisitive about your life. Become inquisitive about your lived experience. There is so much that our life tells us if we only pay attention. Because the soul will never speak in words. It can't. It is the soul. It is not the head. And so it can only speak through little stirrings of the heart. It can only speak through something it reminds you at night, something it reminds you of in the wee hours of the morning when you still aren't busy with all the to-do lists, etc. Hey friends, welcome to the Good Life Podcast, a show for women in midlife who want to live happier, healthier, and more meaningful lives. I'm Michelle Lamoureux, self-love and podcast coach, as well as the author of Design a Life You Love. And together, we're going to be doing just that. Each week, I bring on world-class experts, authors, entrepreneurs, and also do solo casts with the intention of giving you the time and space to think about what you really desire in your life. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey friends, it's Michelle Lamoureux and welcome back to the Good Life Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about confidence and perfectionism and things that women struggle with. Uh, in terms of really getting connected to their truth and who they are. And joining us to have this conversation is Homera Kabir. She holds a master's degree in, in coaching psychology and in positive psychology, the science of human flourishing and well-being from the University of East London and has over a decade of experience as a life coach. She's the founder and CEO of the Goodbye Perfect Project, which she launched with the mission to bring science-backed soulful support to help women break free of unhelpful patterns and own their purpose, voice, and impact. She's been featured in Forbes, Happify, Thrive Global, and the Huffington Post, and has presented at TEDx on the topic of belonging and facilitated workshops at positive psychology conferences and in organizations such as Logitech, PwC, Earth Justice, and more. She's the author of Goodbye Perfect, How to Stop Pleasing, proving and pushing for others and live for yourself. Welcome, Homera. Thank you, Michelle. Such a joy to be here. Yeah, well, we're aligned in this desire for women to own their purpose, their voice and their impact. That's why I launched this podcast four years ago. I love dialoguing with other women who are on that path and empowering other women. And you've launched a project, right? So called Goodbye Perfect. What is it about and why did you start it? It is so similar to why you started the work, the, the work that you do with the podcast, because you're so right that as women now, especially as we get moved, you know, we move to the grow, like move to us as the second stage in our lives. We start thinking about not only, you know, even in terms of our relationships, our jobs, our careers, it is not the the same desires that we have out of it we used to have I guess I, I think sometimes I think it's part of our collective evolution as we're going through it's not just in us women I think it's so I see so much of it in millennials as well that you know whatever we're looking for whether it's in our relationship 
whether it is of our health, of our work, it is not just safety anymore. We are past that stage of safety. We're looking for growth. We're looking to actualize. There are potentials in us that are that are ready to actualize. And as we know from Carl Rogers and all the research on self-actualization, that the only way we can actualize, self-actualize, is first by owning the self. And so many of us don't even own that self. We don't know ourselves. We don't like ourselves. We reject ourselves. And how can we actualize something we don't even own, right? So that is the first step. And a lot of the work that I do is about actually getting to love ourselves. And love ourselves doesn't mean just, you know, hey, I love me. It is actually understanding what our strengths are, really getting to know our brilliance. What is it that we bring to the world? What are our gifts and how do we contribute? Because our gifts are our contribution. And also, how do we own our weaknesses? Because our weaknesses become the source of our growth and they become so many times our purpose, the work that we do in the world. So how do we own this whole self of, our, of ours, right? How do we do that? And that is work because we just become disconnected from ourselves. We disown, criticize, reject ourselves, or we just become disconnected from it, just, you know, going, growing up. It is, I think, that journey of disconnection because of all the noise in the world. So I think by the time we get to mid-adulthood, it is this yearning to come back to ourselves and understand who we are so that we can move to the higher levels of actualization. Absolutely. I think that is the invitation. It's to say, if you're feeling that yearning or that deep pain that you wrote about, even in your book, or like something's missing and you, you're feeling a hole, yeah. that, that is your invitation to go on this journey of reconnecting. And as you've written about, as I've written about, we all have had these voices, external voices telling yes. us who we are, rewarding us for certain attributes that we have that maybe we don't necessarily feel as connected to, but they were seen as uh, important or or valuable. Um, can you speak to a little bit about this and how do we how do we start getting on that path? Like, what is the work that you teach women about how to embrace that self-actualization? Obviously, we can't cover that in like a 30-minute yeah. podcast, but yeah. maybe yeah. there's an exercise or some questions people can play with. Yeah. So I think the first thing, Michelle, is recognizing how that external can call it patriarchy, you can call it noise, you can call it whatever. I call it patriarchy, not in a sense of male, female, masculine, feminine, but just it's an approach to life. The patriarchal approach to life is very top-down, which is this is the right way, this is the wrong way. Whereas the matriarchal approach is very bottom-up. It begins with the soul, and the soul is paradoxical. There is fear, and there is beauty, and there is there's everything. It is like Rumi, we were just talking a minute ago about Poets and Rumi writes about this place beyond right doing and wrong doing, right? It is that, that soul is that place beyond right doing and wrong doing. It is non-judgment. There is no judgment there. So how do we begin from there and recognize how the voices of external patriarchy have become our own internal patriarchy? So recognize mm -hmm. that voice in within ourselves. 
And I think when you say, what is the first thing that we need to do? We need to begin there and say, okay, this is how I am pushing myself and tormenting myself and convincing myself and justifying it then and uh, denying myself and all the other ways that we do it, recognize that voice and say, how does it make me feel? And what what is it bringing me? Where is it making me go? Is it allowing me to grow into my full potential like a seed grows into an oak tree or is it keeping me like that small version of a bonsai tree <laughs> right is it yes. making making me perfect but tiny or <laughs> or my full version yes i love that that imagery of yes we can be as expansive as an oak or we can look pretty and be pleasing to others but yeah. totally limited in terms of our of our potential, right? Exactly, exactly. Pretty to look at. People may admire it, but I mean, you know, it's a it's a sad small thing, right? And constantly pruned. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And we're doing exactly. that to ourselves. Well, how yeah. do we get on the hamster wheel? You've mentioned you. We talked before the mics went on. You have four children. A lot of people are parents. Yeah. You're navigating maybe elderly parents, kids yeah. going off to college, or still some people still have little ones. You know, yeah. how do you? make that space for yourself because this is something that i think we're all in a dance with constantly as yes. different priorities shift uh yes. maybe we're even taking on different roles of how we're showing up or what we allow because of our partner's dreams you yeah. know what i mean so yeah. there's always so much at yeah. play how yeah. do we how do we how, what's how do you like to approach that like how do you find yeah. that time that quiet which we need yes to start really getting uh, uh, more aligned. Yeah, I, I mean, Michelle, I think the first thing is self-compassion, right? Because it is really tough. I mean, can you imagine it's not only all the external pressures and all the paradoxical demands on us, but it is also our own desire to fulfill our potential, our own desire to grow, our own desire to become more and be more, which is not wrong. I mean, it's a desire. If it exists, it exists, right? So yes. it needs to be honored. So I think our role would be what uh, Joseph Campbell, Campbell said, right? He said, who am I? Am I the bulb or the light? And then he goes on to say, I'm both, right? So if we want to be the light, so actualize our potential, we need to take care of the bulb, which is self-care at the end of the day. And in the world, you know, those self-care that's touted in the world, oh, this is what you need to do, and the massage and the that, it's become almost like another pressure on us that so this true. is what I need to do. Right? <laughs> so true. And, and true self-care is just looking after all our needs, which means not only our physical needs, but our emotional needs and our mental needs and our creative and spiritual needs. Uh, there's this lovely uh, uh, pyramid that the, uh, the Institute, Optimal Performance Institute, they describe it as this pyramid with four layers and the work always begins at the bottom layer, which is physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. And so just taking care of the, I mean, these days, even taking care of, of our physical health is sometimes so tough with, you know, phones and everything which come along in our beds with us and people having demands. But that is the work that we have to constantly do and keep reminding ourselves that, hey, you know what? I mean, it's tough. Like, it's easy to just say it. I struggle with it every single day. But then I have to remind myself that every single day that I get is a day to 
contribute in the world in some way, even if it means just smiling at somebody or making it a good day for somebody else or doing my best work or feeling alive, whatever it is, whatever the day calls me to do. And the only way I can do that is if I've taken care of my physical health, if I'm not saying things to myself that bring me down emotionally, if I'm not overburdening myself with the need to perfect and the need to be everything to everyone, kind of creating space in my head, in my life, and doing the things that bring me joy because that spiritual energy is who we really are, but it needs all the layers below it. Absolutely. And it can be a challenge. Now, you had sort of that calling whispering to you i call them inner whispers when you were around yes. 40 it's that's right in your yes. four, early 40s yes. so what did that journey look like for you and you know you've been on it and now you have this book and obviously you launched this program so just give us like a snapshot of how that cuz it, it's a it's a process it's not like an overnight like awakening like okay you know it's like cuz even if you have the clarity you still have to take the daily small steps towards whatever it is right it's not instant manifestation no. of something no 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 it is always that and then the <laughs> daily grind <laughs> right yeah right and then the work never ends michelle it's so funny i write this book i put it out into the world Everything goes great as, you know, as well as you can expect. And, and even so, even so, I found myself not experiencing the joy that I thought I would. I'd worked years toward this. I mean, you know, even to the point that I got thinking about the book, it had been years of coaching and studying and researching and all of that. And then the book itself, the idea came and it I re, it really sank in. So that took a year or two. Then start writing the proposal, then sending it out, finding an agent, then finding a publisher. COVID happens in the midst of all this. Then writing the book, then editing the book, et cetera, et cetera. So it has been such a process. And I thought once the book is out, I take the deep sigh of relief and then just relax for a few days or weeks. And But it didn't turn out like that. I found myself not even being able to celebrate. And I thought, what's wrong here? I was just constantly, what one more thing can I do? What next should I do? What are they? How do, how do I promote it? How do I do this? And then I realized that, look, the noise of the world will always be there. We can have the most soulful goals. We can go after our deepest desires, but the journey is still noisy. And as long as we get caught up in that noise, we will lose our inner voice. And so for about two days, I just said, I don't care. I really want to disconnect from everything. I really want to go back to the joy that got me into this whole thing in the first place and not listen to anything, silence my own mind that says, oh, you need to, did you talk to so-and-so about promotion? Did you talk to so-and-so about a review? Uh, and and what do I really want here? What is my bigger goal with this? What is all that? And connect back to that because that is what got me into all of this in the first place. So the thing is that, yes, we get those, you know, those desires and yes, we work toward them, but staying true to our voice, staying true to our authenticity and the natural desire is like a daily practice because that inner voice, like you beautifully called it, the whispers, they are whispers. They are whispers and they get drowned out so easily. Totally. That's beautiful. And also what I'm hearing is just having awareness. It's that self, it's a practice of having that self-awareness 
so yes. that you can say, wait a second, this should be joyful. If it's not, yeah. why? And you pulled your, and you gave yourself permission to pull back from the, you know, the doing and yeah. being in action, which can also feel good in some ways, because yes. you can check things off a list and you feel like productive, but it's also a way to distract from the truth. And that's what we want to keep getting realigned with. Um, and we want to just keep checking, is the joy still alive? I think joy is such a great compass just to say the joy is still alive because yes i mean you know all of those external measures are also good we do live in the real world right so but is the joy missing meaning that means we've lost our path right 100% i'm so glad you just highlighted that because i think that's so important right if the joy is not there and i do have to acknowledge you because you're in oman right now and it's what time let's see if it's 10.30 in California, we said it's 11 hours ahead. So you're at 9.30 at night right now doing this yeah. interview. Um, so that's the dedication. But hopefully there's joy in the, probably when you're talking about the book, it sparks that joy. Um, in you, this part of the world, people don't sleep that early. So it's okay. They don't. <laughs> no, they don't. They stay and up late. They stay up late and it's the month of fasting, which is Ramadan. And, okay. uh, and, and during that month, everything is like inversed on its uh, head anyway. So people stay up till late and then they sleep till late. So it's, <laughs> it's a different life. Oh, that's yeah. so interesting. I love, um, just understanding the different cultural things that are yeah. happening and the differences. I always find that very fascinating. Well, in the book, you talk about something important. We said we were going to discuss confidence because obviously that's a big piece of this. Um, you discuss something called fragile confidence versus optimal confidence. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? And I would imagine optimal is the way we want to go, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you asked me about the journey that began when I was 40. Yeah. So it was all about, you know, again, I was in that space and I know you write about it and uh, I've read your on the website and you write about this thing about life being good on the outside like the, I had no complaints with my life I had four kids I had you know a comfortable life a good job etc etc but something was missing and I knew that you know if something is missing what it what is it and I didn't know what it was like even if if I would talk to my family or friends they would say but I mean why are you complaining like we can swap lives if you want. And I'd say, it's not about that. I'm not, I don't want your life. I want my real life. I feel this is not my life I'm living. I feel there is something more. There's something missing. And so you know, just started searching. Thank, thank God for the internet. So just trying to figure out, reading books, reading books about people who live fulfilled lives. And somehow all of that thing about purpose and meaning kept coming up again and again. And then I found out about positive psychology, which is the science of a meaningful life, the science of flourishing. And so I just started this thing, this idea, do, I, I do want to go back to academia. I do want to understand what all of this is. I do want to really study what it is because I was doing coaching at the time. And so many of the conversations that I would have with women were around these same topics. Yeah. So I said, I want to understand what it is. I want to be able to coach in it, which is why it was a double degree of positive psychology and coaching psychology. And, and uh, for my research, I chose flourishing, not confidence. I chose flourishing. What does it take for women to flourish? And in the research very early on, it became clear that we are wired for flourishing. 
But what gets in the way of that is something called fragile confidence. So optimal confidence is our most natural state. And if fragile confidence didn't get in the way, then we would flourish just like a seed would grow into an oak tree if it, mm-hmm. it has the right conditions and yes. the caterpillar would become the butterfly. And so fragile confidence is when we don't have that deep-seated sense of belonging and mastery within ourselves, meaning that we don't have a deep-seated sense of trust within us that we are worthy and valuable as who we are and that we have what it takes to meet whatever challenge comes in the way of our worthwhile goals. And this is a very deep-seated, implicit feeling. It grows even before we develop the cognitive capability to make sense of things, to make meaning of things. And so the only way we can work with the implicit world is by taking action, that taking action that's aligned with our true selves. So it is at the end of the day all about authenticity. But that implicit, that implicit sinks in only when we take action that's aligned with what we truly want and we reflect on it. So that is pretty much the journey of the book. How do we understand? How do we first fall in love with ourselves? Then understand what we truly want. Then have the courage to pursue what we truly want and then reflect on it so that it sinks in. That's beautiful. That's so helpful. And something, you know, I've never really heard of, you hear of confidence hearing of fragile confidence, never heard those terms. Is that something you did learn studying the positive psychology? Yeah, it was. So in in psychology, the terms are fragile self-esteem and optimal Mm self-esteem. The only difference between the two is the implicit feeling. On the outside, we could be doing the same actions. We could look as confident as the other person, et cetera, et cetera. But what's different is the psychological experience because of the implicit beliefs that we carry within ourselves. So fragile confidence, is dependent on external feedback. Okay. And so we become dependent on all of these behaviors, perfection, yes. pleasing, because if all you're trying to get is external feedback, success, yes. Yes. praise, then these are the behaviors that would follow. And what you're really trying to prove, because you don't have that deep-seated sense of love or goodness or worth, you are trying to show to the world that I'm perfect in some way, perfect in inverted, uh, because that is that is why the name of the book, Goodbye Perfect, I always emphasize this. I'm not saying goodbye perfection. I'm saying goodbye perfect. It's per- goodbye to an identity because now you're owning your identity again. Perfection, pleasing, proving, etc., are just offshoots of an identity that are not helping us. So when people say, I'm a perfectionist, how do I let go of perfectionism? Well, you know, sometimes that perfectionism could be helping you. If you let go of an identity of perfect, you would have the discernment to know when the perfection is good for you and when it's not good for you. Similarly, when the pleasing is not pleasing, you're just being true to your authentic nature, which is you're a giver by nature. It makes you feel good. So you can't just, you know, let go of behaviors. Sometimes those behaviors are protective. Sometimes they're needed. Sometimes they're part of your authentic expression. And and even so, just yanking off a behavior is never long-lasting anyway. Of course. I, it's like habitual behaviors, like what you talked about. Perhaps there was a reward that you got yeah. externally for all that, doing everything just so well all the time, yeah. right? And so having that awareness and then saying, well, is this bringing me joy? right? To go back to your idea, you know, is this, does this feel aligned and having that compassion and maybe it takes some effort to break 
away from that, those tendencies, right? It does. But you know, the good thing is that it's good old neuroplasticity. It is neurons that wire together, fire together. So if we just don't entertain those voices at all, we don't even need to argue with them. We don't even need to try to contradict them. Just let them be, just create some distance and develop that other voice, that gentler, calmer voice. And those neural connections will die in time, as long as we can consistently use that gentle voice to mm-hmm. ourselves, with ourselves. Like consistently, Michelle, yes. like get up in the morning, look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, honey, so nice to see you. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I know whenever I say this, I, people just look at me like, seriously, like, are you joking? But then, you know, we say such nasty things to ourselves all the time. And we right. have you know, no shame saying that. So why, 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 why not this? Why not? And I, I do you know the work of Louise Hay, you can heal your life. Yes. You know, she was yes. a proponent of looking yourself direct in the eyes, which can make you emotional. But yes. again, you're talking about rewiring those neural pathways. And that's a yes. powerful way because if you we're never really looking at ourselves, no. right? We're looking in the mirror, but we we're look not- at ourselves critically. Or that's right, it? right. When yeah. we're looking, we're like, "Oh, I wish this was better." I, I yes. need the, you know, I look tired. You know, it's all negative. So, how do we begin identifying some of those masks that we're hiding behind to really reclaim our true self? The masks of perfect or the yes. perfect identity. Yes. So yeah. So in the book, I write about the six masks and the behaviors that. Yeah. So, you know, the thing is, it is very difficult for us, ourselves to just say, okay, I'm wearing, I, I, this is the mask that I'm wearing. It is very difficult, especially the masks that are to do with avoidant attachment, because they, they are kind of, they exist because we are trying to hide a pain, uh, you know, it, a painful a experience pain. or yeah, an old wound or something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, even in coaching, you would find that it is so hard to work sometimes with people and make them aware of their kinds of behaviors because sometimes they are like a sense of superiority or a desire to, for your life to be better and perfect than those of the others and, you know, all the behaviors that come with it. Yeah. And uh, it's very hard to make people recognize that. But when you can break it down into patterns that exist because of certain things, then people can say, ah, you know, it doesn't feel that personal anymore, which is why I talk about the six masks, because when you look at each mask, you can say, okay, you know, some of these behaviors I relate with. And, And often, The masks exist only in areas of your life where you feel stuck or where you feel you're not being your full. Because we are, we are all such a paradox. You know, maybe in one aspect of your life, maybe in your relationships, you are flourishing. Yeah. But maybe toward your health, you feel stuck. You can't move past a certain roadblock or maybe at work you feel. So it is a lot of awareness, like self discovery, where what identity am I carrying in this area of my life? What are the behaviors that are associated with it? What are the gaps in my, the way I'm showing up? Because obviously, because of those behaviors, there were certain skills and capacities that you did not develop. So those are the gaps that become your path to growth. Yeah. And what are the stories that are attached where you don't want to let go because it's become such a part of your identity that that story somehow created a, a false sense of safety? Yes. Right. Right. And so then you can start going, wait, I don't need that story anymore. It actually doesn't serve me. Let's try. And Michelle, something 
Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, Michelle, something that I've found is very helpful is when you're trying to let go of a story, find an alternative story that makes you, that's aligned with what you really want in your mm. life. You know, so many things in life I've found that you can't just let go of something because then what are you going to latch on to? Could be filled with another something. negative story if you don't right? take control. Yeah, that's a good point. So always find something that you can turn to and something that brings you joy and that is positive and that is aligned with what, where you want to go. Right. Yeah. Like in coaching, they talk about reframing. So you take it and reframe it to to something, but that's something that's true. You're not gaslighting yourself. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, no. Yeah. No, 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 no. And you don't want that. Right. And when one, even when you have that story, you have to take the behaviors that are aligned with that story because otherwise, sooner or later, it, you, it'll just turn into disillusionment. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, you can't fool your soul, basically. You really can't. So, you have to have that story that's aligned with the truth. Then you have to take the behaviors and then you have to reflect on them and say, yes, these are the behaviors that are aligned with my truth. And that is how it creates the feedback loops of identity, behavior back into identity. I love it. And you, I love what you just said. You can't feel, uh, you can't fool your soul. That's beautiful. <laughs> um, you write in the book, you said a key element of the framework is the principle of potentiality that Aristotle described as the possibility that lies within each living organism and actualizes if the conditions are right. This potentiality lies in the acorn just as much as it lies in all of us. We each enter the world carrying some unique, um, that something unique that wants to be lived through us and the extent to which it does depends on that something receiving the right conditions. Um, so you talk about souls longing. I mean, this is such, it's so beautiful. I didn't realize Aristotle had written that. Um, and I also love the potentiality of the acorn as much as a human, because we are all connected. We are yes. right. And and yeah. the energy needs to flow and go. So yeah. How do we get connected to the, our soul's longing? I mean, how how do we do that? Yeah, I think these are just such amazing questions that you're asking, Michelle. I think just conversing with ourselves, just that silence, time in solitude, listening, listening to the different ways that our bodies talk to us, that our feelings talk to us, just observing ourselves out in nature, what lights us up, what are the things that we think about again and again, what are the things we like to read when we look at the newspaper, like, you know, all, there's so many different ways, but we have to be patient with ourselves, like people so many times, I mean, you would have experienced this as well, you're, you're also a coach, right? that people would come to you and they would say, okay, help me find my purpose. What two tests do I have to take? Or, you know, what are my strengths? Well, become inquisitive about your life. Become inquisitive about your lived experience. There is so much that our life tells us if we yes. only pay attention. And and so, because the soul will never speak in words. It can't. It is It is the soul. It is not the head. And so it can only speak through little stirrings of the heart. It can only speak through something it reminds you at night, something it reminds you of in the wee hours of the morning when you still aren't busy with all the to-do lists, etc. And all of that, think of things you love to do in the past. In the book, I write 10 or 12 ways you can connect to your heart's longings. 
Yeah, something that gives you pain, something that makes you feel this is my responsibility, I need to do this work, even joy. Again, I go back to joy again and again. Joy is our soul's longings. Um, things that bring you joy, uh, go back to those things that you see other people do and it brings tears to your eyes. That says something. All yes. of these different ways, they speak to you. They're, that is your soul speaking to you. Don't take it lightly. Don't just move on. Explore it. Try yeah. to understand what it's saying. Yeah, those are all clues and having the curiosity around yes. what keeps yes. coming up. And I always talk about that. I think that when you tear up at hearing something or observing something, that's your soul remembering. It's like... Yes that's why because you're like wait why am i crying just listening to this it's like your soul's remembering truth even if yes. it's not the truth that you need to pursue it's remembering truth and yes. so that's what connects us and so that's beautiful because it becomes like this invitation to to pursue it here's a question i'm just curious my own curiosity do you think with purpose that anyone can make a living in that soul's journey or mm -hmm. Is it not necessarily hand in hand? This I is my think own curiosity. it's not necessarily hand in hand. Yeah. Only the, it can be. It can yes. be. Yes. But I think we do people a huge disservice. There is such a movement. Find your joy, find your purpose, find your passion, and then just leave everything and somehow it will solve all your problems. It doesn't. The soul never promised to pay your bills. It never did. There is a part of us that lives in the real world, and there's a part of us that lives beyond the real world, and that is the soul. And we have to take both parts of that self along. And sometimes the two of them can become one. We can, you know, pay the bills through our purpose. And some of us are lucky enough to do that. And especially if we, especially those of us who go into entrepreneurship of some sort, who design a career around that can. But I mean, in most corporate, et cetera, it would be tough to do that. You still can. You can build purpose into your everyday life. You can start doing things in a way that is more authentically you. You can start crafting your job in a way that you're doing more of the things that bring you joy. You can start doing it on the side just as a hobby, but for it to become your main bread earning thing, Sometimes yes, but I would say don't don't go out with the intention to do that. If it happens, awesome. But if it doesn't, it just needs to be lived through you. Whether you give it an hour a week or whether you give it, you know, twenty four seven seven days a week, that that's 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 very individual. But that's that's not a soul's requirement that I need this much time. Yeah, that's really good. I, yeah, I just think about yeah the soul's longing for that expression is a part of why I think we're here. I mean, it's been planted just the way Aristotle talked about it, the way you wrote about it. And uh, I think that is why there is that longing and that voice and whether it actually, uh, like you said, pays the bills or just is, allows its expression so that you can self-actualize. That yes. in itself is the reward and the gift, if I'm hearing what you're saying. Yes, exactly. And you know, so many times in my work, I found that people initially there's resistance when I say, okay, this, if this is what you long to do, why don't you just start doing it two hours on a weekend? And there is resistance because we all want our, our soul's work, our purposeful work to be like, you know, land on the world stage with a lot of fanfare, right? Yeah. But 
but so they you know the ego gets in the way but i have found i've seen people find so much joy just by giving it voice that's it like mm-hmm. if it is creativity just have a little creative pro- thing that you do maybe an hour a week with a friend who cares but you're just giving voice to that creativity that wants to come out just give voice to it just give expression to it that's it and if it grows further then it grows further you just follow the cues it will talk to you it is we you see we don't even own it right it's been given to us and it asks for contribution and the more we do it and if and if the world needs more of it then it will ask of it so we just have to follow the cues we we don't need to have so much control over it anyway we just need to yeah just follow it it does speak to us but we have to be connected in that sense and uh, you know so every little while check in with yourself is it is does it truly feel joyful am i loving it what more can i do there or is this enough for me right now etc etc literally i mean you know it sounds strange to say this but have conversations with that part of you oh yeah no i don't think that sounds strange at all i journal yeah. with that part all the time like a prompt well, yeah. the higher self god energy yeah yeah or i'll yeah. say give me a sign or something and so for me yes. lately it's been through um license plates yeah so I'll see like, like, I'm like, God, just give me guidance. I just need guidance. And yeah. I literally use that word. Am I on the right track? Yeah. Pull out of my house, drive down a mile down the road. A car pulls in front of me. The license plate was guidance without the I. So it was G-U-D-A-N-C-E. And yesterday I was, there was something I was struggling with. And I'm like, Ugh. I was like, there was a part of me feeling like, just trust, just trust, stop, just trust. And I was talking to my friend and I'm like, I can't find my car. I think the reason I couldn't find my car is I ended up walking by another car. The license plate was Trust Life. Seriously? Uh, Yeah. So I get them through license plate or signs. I get them through literally billboards, actual billboards. I'm having uh, goosebumps because it's true. I know because you're feeling the truth of that. Yes, I do. Yeah. There was another time I was like, God, am I on the right path? I just don't know what's going on. And I was in a really dark place. This was during COVID a couple of years ago. And I was driving someplace I'd never been. Billboard on the side of the road, just out of the blue, like on like some little land. Mm -hmm. It said, trust in God. I was like, okay, okay, I'm being hurt. <laughs> so you have to have some, you have to allow the magic in life to, yes. to enter without the rational mind needing certainty, like just having more of that, like faith and uh, yeah, some of that, your soul's like yes. spirituality to just know that we are more than our physicality, right? I mean, we are yes. more than our minds and our body. And Michelle, it does. I mean, I, I, again, like I said, goosebumps while you're saying this, because it is so true. It does speak to you. It always does in some way. And it may not, it, nobody else may see anything in that, but you do. Like, I, I remember I write about it in the book as well. I think, I mean, I the went heart. through so many. Yes. Yeah. It was one little thing in a corner. And for me, the message was you are doing your part. Yeah. Because so- I was just, yeah, I just right. want to explain. Yeah, so Homera, and it was like asking, like you were right. Why didn't you tell it? And so, and you saw a heart and the ceiling, like yeah, a it was, of it light was during, at night. No, was, in the no, daytime. Morning, so morning. It was okay. Morning. I was again thinking, what am I doing? Am I doing enough? And just getting really confused by it. 
during COVID, uh, how can I help more? And I had my four kids in the house as well. They needed me as well. So it was like, where do I turn to? There's so much need everywhere. Who do I, how many people can I serve? And, uh, and I look up, it was the wee hours of the morning and the room was pitch dark, but from somewhere a light came in, in the shape of a heart. I was like lying with my eyes closed. I opened my eyes and in one corner of this entire ceiling, so the whole ceiling, and in one corner, a little heart shining so bright. Yeah. And for me, it just meant that you are spreading your love and your light. And your part is just that much in this huge thing that's needed. And it just gave me the peace that I needed. And then I could do what I was doing with my full heart rather than this frenzied state. I'm not doing enough. I should be doing more. And, and yeah, I mean, that's what it said to me. And I think when the universe speaks to us, it speaks to us, like personally, almost yeah. like it's just the message that it had for me at that time. Absolutely. Because somebody else may not have felt the need to open their eyes or that light might have not been there. They wouldn't notice the license plate and start yeah. realizing that there's some whimsical way that life is speaking to me. I think that's yeah. sort of playful. And maybe that's also an imitation for more play, right? Yeah. So we need to sort of unpack it. And the other thing when you were talking about purpose that I was thinking about, if it's not going to pay your bills, for example, the big gift there is that as you become more of yourself and express that voice, the way you show up in the rest of your life, things going to fall away and new things are going to come in just by being you. Yes. 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 That is the wisdom of the universe, right? The more you are being you, the more you find fulfillment and the more the world benefits. That is yes. the wisdom of the universe. It just designed us like that. Yes. Well, I've loved this conversation. Anything you want to leave the women listening with before we sign off today? Yeah, I, I mean, just love, you know, love for yourself. It always begins with ourselves. And then the more we can love ourselves in a very real way, like a mother, like a parent loves that little baby when it's born, like loves everything about it. The more you can do that, the more you can open up to the world around you, the more you can be there for others in empathy. This is all based in science. The more you can be courageous, the more you can open up to the beauty around you, the more you can take responsibility for protecting that beauty. I mean, it all begins with self-compassion. It all begins with self-love, but it doesn't end there. Like Mary Oliver says, love yourself, then forget yourself, then love the world. Oh, that's so beautiful. That's Mary Oliver. Yeah. That's Mary oh, Oliver. I love her, right? That's beautiful. I don't know if I knew that particular quote. Well, where should people find you online? Where do you, where should I direct them for, for you and your book? I think my website's the best place. Okay. Yeah. It's homerakabir.com. Yes. And, and my book is there. The Goodbye Perfect Project is there everything uh whatever you need to know about me my social handles everything is there perfect and all of the show notes for today will be over at thegoodlifecoach.com so you can look up homera and her work and her book um thank you for being with us especially it's late there um uh, so thank you for your time today it's a beautiful conversation and one that i love having i feel like you cannot explore uh this topic enough in terms of confidence and purpose and voice and loving ourselves so thank you for the beautiful way that you've uh 
put it out into the world through your book. Thank you, Michelle. This has been so nice. Like you said, I could have, you know, we could have gone on for an hour more at least. (laughs) It was lovely. Thank you uh, so much. True joy to be here. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.